Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Len. And welcome back, David, from the Rock and Roll High School Minute. Hey, everybody. And we're here with Minute 19 of Fright Night. We've got a we've got a podcast going here, Len. <laughs> 19 episodes, right? All right. Uh, it, it begins with our first look at the Dandridge Foyer and ends with Charlie pulling his last card. Whoop, whoop. That's the sound of the police. Whoop, whoop. That's the yes. sound of the beast. Whoop, whoop. That's the sound of the police. Whoop, whoop. That's the sound of the beast. So, yeah, Charlie follows Lennox in, and uh, Lennox is polite. He's he's professional. He's got he's holding his jacket ends, uh, just kind of walking around, looking. You know. Charlie's got uh, he's got that he, he doesn't cross the threshold right away as Lennox does. He sort of gives a look in and looks around like is it safe? You know, it's almost like he's it's it's the inverse of the being asked in kind of thing. It's like right. I, I've been invited in, but I don't want to go in. You know, so, <laughs> that sort of thing. So it's it, he's definitely got that sort of uh, scared puppy look going on for, pretty well, I think. And as a horror movie fan, can you blame him? I mean, looking in that Fourier, like, oh, this is a horror movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm of the opinion that horror movie fans are the smartest people on the planet. Uh, so, you know, he, he's, he clearly is smart. He knows what's going on. He knows there's a vampire that lives there. He knows there's a coffin in the basement. And, and the world just isn't ready for him. So he's, yeah, he's, he deserves to be that, that frightened. <laughs> uh, did you notice how many damn clocks Jerry Dandridge has? <laughs> several, yeah. There's several. And I was thinking about that. We do in this house as well. We don't use them. I look at my phone for the time. Mm-hmm. And I think there's three or four on the wall that are beca- that have become sort of decorative. And then even like some small cl- clocks on, on the tables and things. And uh, I don't think any of them are right. <laughs> I was just I'm, I've got the the minute uh, loop in here in the background and just as they moved in I just counted 10 so yeah 10 <laughs> yeah, different clocks they are all set to 6 o'clock too uh, none of them seem to be active because unless they arrived right at 6 o'clock um, I don't hear any ticking or anything like that it's a lot of sixes uh... and this is also not not the only movie released in 1985 where uh, a very old man is uh, holding on to a lot of clocks um, okay. No idea what you're talking about. Nope. Never seen it. Don't oh, care. You never seen Back to the Future. It is a uh, it's a movie Never about it. Hmm. Gotta see it. Uh, it's, it's got the guy about, from Taxi. It's a movie about cars, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't get the title really. How you get Back to the Future? That's kind of weird. <laughs> Go forward. Um, so yeah, Lennox is yeah. Lennox is looking kind of impressed, looking around, um, and Billy says uh, they're restoring it. Doing a terrible job. Look at how many cobwebs there are still all over the place. <laughs> that sucks. Charlie's pretty goddamn nosy too. That that is my my second to last note on this page says Charlie's a snoop. <laughs> yes, snoop is definitely written in my notes. <laughs> yeah, imagine I, I can't imagine. It's going to somebody's house with the cops, and then even if you did believe they're a vampire, uh, just touching their stuff. It's pretty ballsy. Way to go, Charlie. So we have a, a huge stairway. In the bottom, banisters are adorned with uh, two beautiful carved ladies that mm. 
one looks like she's got like a bed sheet being tied together with a rope and the other one looks like the if it's a bed sheet it's tied around her waist and she's just wearing a black bra and she's holding they're both holding up lamps so it looks I'm not like sure uh, what period that's from or <laughs> they look like belly dancers or gypsies to me oh yeah yeah I have, i'm from a family of gypsies so oh, they yeah. all dress like that yeah that's yeah. what my mom looks just like that statue nice. well she's as stiff and cold and unloving do you guys curse vampires with souls because you can come in handy here <laughs> no? do we as a people yeah do you curse I'm vampires so they'll have souls to torture them I'm, for the rest of their life i'm what they call godified so i don't count i'm american oh, i think i heard that song go ahead what's godified <laughs> Uh, it's just what it sounds like. And they call non-gypsies gaudies. At least the the gypsies in the north uh, east, they call them gaudies. And it's almost uh, it's almost derogatory <laughs> in some way. <laughs> so I'm, uh, you know, my dad is a gaudy. My mom is uh, English Romany. I, I definitely veered more towards the just regular American kid, you know, growing up. So I'm gaudified. Well, there goes our reviews again. Um <laughs> We also have at the top of the stairs a huge stained glass circular window. It looks very yellowish. I'm not sure if this is like a Native American kind of thing. It's There's a mountain and like flowers and the sun. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's supposed to symbolize anything in particular or if that's just like, oh, it's part of the set that they, well, they built this set. I, I'll get into that in a moment. But yeah, there must be a rule that Jerry's like definitely in his coffin during the day because otherwise this is... This is definitely a big window that, that uh, Billy would be painting over. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had to get a lot of paint for this, but <laughs> you know, it's a Chekhov's stained glass window right there, right? You know, it's like <laughs> yes. they they do hesitate on it and then they give it a prominent spot there, and it's like, you know, we're this is going to be important later. You know, it's the <laughs> the only bright thing in the house, really. So it's you know, it's it's a nice house. It's got a lot of fancy stuff in it, and they're very haphazardly moved in. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a. Uh, that that's definitely the the focal point of of what we can see anyway. So. That's a pretty classic haunted house sort of uh, look to the the stairway in the center and the two stairways that go off on either side. It's very much uh, like Resident Evil, mm. right? First game. It, it, um, there, oh, there's, there's a uh, there's a typewriter. If you go to the right of the stairs, there's a door behind it and a typewriter in there. That you, right, sorry, you can save your game. Yeah, it's right <laughs> in there. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I was like, I didn't see that. <laughs> uh, Is it behind the yeah, green leaf thing, or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, we get we get our first look at this set, and uh, this is a set. Uh, this is not inside that Victorian house at the Disney lot. This was built at Laird Studios. I have some. Take your drinks. I have more trivia for you. So Laird is was one of Hollywood's oldest studios. It was established in 1918 by Thomas Ince. Um, he was also he was a uh, a silent film pioneer and also known as the father of the western so it was originally called int studio and you might recognize some of these names it was changed to demille studios and then path studios or path a rko path studios selznick international pictures desilu like these are all the name changes through the years Culver City, and then it was Laird, and that was from a period of uh, 1977 to 1986. So, so it was Laird when they filmed Fright Night, and a year later they they went bankrupt, and uh, then they were just bought up by Sony, <laughs> um, and uh, renamed Culver City Studios again. Laird had 13 stages, and Fright Night was filmed on stage eight. I couldn't find exactly what else was filmed exactly on stage eight. 
But here's some other things that were filmed at uh, what's now known as Culver City Studios. King Kong, Gone with the Wind, like I mentioned last minute. Uh, this is this is where they filmed a lot of Gone with the Wind. Carrie, Rocky, Airplane, E.T., Beetlejuice, Armageddon, The Matrix. TV shows such as uh, Andy Griffith, uh, Star Trek, Batman, Pee-wee's Playhouse, and uh, Arrested Development. They were all they wow. were all filmed there as well. Yeah, nice pedigree at that place. Then <laughs> I, I would love to, I would love to. I've done a few studio tours. And I'm always like, oh my god, so much has happened here. You know, yeah. all my all my childhood is here. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. May I dig through your prop room? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just give me a random file cabinet to look through. <laughs> I'll I'll be happy with that. I should inject some of this since I haven't. I've been doing research as we've been recording, so there's been a, a little bit of a backlog here. So I want to just pop this out while while we're talking about the the production. The cast and crew were actually given two weeks of rehearsal time in uh, November '84 before filming, and that's when they came up with those biographies. And Holland went on the soundstage and like blocked out the scenes, and the cast kind of performed it like a stage play uh, while everything was like being built. So when it came time to film, Tom Holland would just like shoot like two, maybe three takes each scene and just boom, move on. So it started December 3rd, 1984 and wrapped February 23rd, 1985. So yeah, any outside stuff is probably like, well, it's California, so it's probably not freezing, but it's it's cold. Fright Night was Columbia's lowest budgeted film and they didn't have high expectations for it. They were focusing on John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis's film Perfect as well as uh, Into the Night, which is, again, uh, <laughs> the movie that we were we had podcasted about, in Into the Night Minute, nightminute.com, I should say. So, yeah, Tom said, yeah, there was money and interest. That was where the money and interest was, and they fixated all on that, on Perfect. So they left me alone. They didn't come to the set. It was totally my film without any studio interference, which has got to be just, like, an amazing thing for a yeah, first-time director. Yeah. Uh, especially a first-time genre director, right? Like, yeah. how many times do you hear about genre films that have studio expectations and they just get watered down? Or, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a good good work there, Mister Mister uh, Tommy. I think you did a, a good job getting your first things together here. So, oh yeah. Back to the minute. So Lennox tells Billy there was a murder last night. Charlie thinks he saw the victim in the house. So we're down to assume that in the course of the time between last night and today. Billy got rid of the body, the body was found, and Charlie came to the police station. So I'm just, like, thinking, like, man, I, I do hope, like, they found the body and released that information to the public before Charlie showed up. Because if Charlie showed up and was like, there was a murder, and it's like, oh, we just found the body. Please step into our cell. <laughs> yeah. So so I do have a little bit of a tangent about that, if you'll indulge me. So I'll start it by asking the two of you first. Have you ever had any odd interactions with police officers? <laughs> I mean, if you want to get on a tangent, <laughs> we'll get on some tangents. Sure. There are a few uh, few weird ones with uh, some overzealous cops thinking that we were up to no good when we tried to make it look like we were up to no good, but we weren't really up to no good. So it's like, a, <laughs> like, hey, cop, you're going to harass us, so we're just going to make your job harder. So, right. uh, yeah, but definitely no murder investigations, if that's what you're going to ask. <laughs> Yeah, I was friends with a girl in high school, and uh, she actually lived living in like a foster care home, like a like with a bunch of foster kids, basically. And she ended up running running away, and was at a friend's house. And the cops showed up looking for her, and I was like, "Oh, I think she's at this other friend's house. Let me go with you." So I actually rode with the cop 
over to this other friend's house knowing full well she definitely wasn't there. She was back in the house we just left from. Right. <laughs> I think the Statue of Libertations uh, has passed, and it had nothing to do with murder. So, um... <laughs> well, What's your story? Uh, maybe seven, eight years ago, I, uh, I was working on a vampire story of my own, very much inspired by Fright Night, okay? Huh. Um, and it's unfortunately it's still it's been shelved because other things have come up and I've had to so I will eventually go back to it anyway at that time I had like a sort of typical rookie police officer character in the book and I I don't know I was having trouble with it and I got to take audience with the police chief of our town in Bennington Vermont so he gave me a little tour Uh, he he also I lucked out because he also taught a writing class at Southern Vermont College, uh, which is not something you would think of from a police chief, right? Mm -hmm. So I was really excited. It was through some sort of the writing connections that this happened. They said, you should talk to him because he's a writer himself, right? But when I show up, he was your typical imposing, big, like heavyset policeman with zero sense of humor. I mean, zero. And I'm I'm a wise ass and I'm snarky and every sort of kind of joke I'd make, any little charm I'd throw at him, his response would be, huh. He'd just look at me dead eyed and say, huh, right? Like I was an amoeba. So he gives me a little tour, uh, shows me where the cells are and things. And then we go upstairs into his office and I had prepared, you know, eight or nine questions. How would a, a young police officer, things like what, which I didn't know and didn't really Google at the time. Like when do you first, when do you get a squad car on your own? When th- those kind of things, like, you know, do, do you get a car right away? I don't know. I know roofers that, you know, you have to work there for four years before you get a truck, you know? So th- these are the questions that I had in, in mind and, and um, just to get my facts straight. But the last couple were this, I, I asked him, how would you respond how would you guys respond if you found a mutilated animal? And he said, well, it depends. If it was a house pet, we would consider, I think it's called the McDonald or the, it's a tri, it's a trilogy of psychopathic behavior common, common amongst children, excessive bedwetting, arson and cruelty to animals. So the first thing they would do if they found a uh, tortured or dismembered pet is talk to some of the local schools and see if they had any disturbed children that were, you know, showing any any of those three characteristics. Again, bedwetting, arson, torture to animals. So if you he said, you know, that's what they do. They they'd suspect children, a sick kid, and and they would talk. And he said, however, if it was a livestock, apparently there were some in the eighties during the satanic panic, there actually were were some satanic cult or a satanic cult activity happening in the area. So they would suspect if it was livestock that was mutilated or whatever, they would suspect that. And again, I was kind of trying to make jokes, and he just would stare at me and say, huh, right? So I leave, got my notebook, I jotted a few notes down, thanked him, thank you very much, you know. And he went about his day, I went about mine. Four days later, in an alley, not far from the police station, a pet rabbit was found, and it was in the paper, mutilated. Do you know how... Exactly. Do you know (laughs) how fucking nervous and convinced I was that they were going to come knock on my door? Because I was just there asking these questions. I was just there mutilating rabbits. 
Yeah. Yeah, and had the balls to do it just to, you know, yeah. houses down. I'm calling yeah. you out, cop. But uh, they never, <laughs> they never contacted me. They never called me. But I was convinced. I was so scared when I saw that in the morning paper. It turned out to be a sick kid, just like he said. It turned out to be just a sick kid that took this other kid's pet rabbit that he was mad at and killed the fucking thing in an alley but i was how, how is that for unfortunate coincidence i was yeah. sure i was going to jail <laughs> i'm surprised it was didn't turn out to be glenn close <laughs> right <laughs> yeah what have you what had you been doing before that that's yeah <laughs> all right so uh back to the minute billy says it was just them there last night and Charlie says, oh, he's lying. And then he says he uh, he saw him carry a body out in plastic. And it's funny because, okay, so in the script, Lennox is described as tall. And <laughs> in the novelization, which I assume is based on uh, like an earlier version of the script, uh, Lennox is described as like this real muscular, like no neck police officer. So... I'm just saying, like, in the original version of this script, it really makes sense that this huge police officer would make Charlie feel protected, protected enough to uh, snoop around and also just kind of throw out these wild, like, he's lying, you know? Right. But I look at, like, the shot that I had freeze-framed while I was taking these notes, like, Billy is towering over Lennox, and Charlie is just not afraid at all. And I just didn't wasn't sure if that was... Uh, you know, a, a product of the earlier script, like, oh, we'll just leave these lines in here. It's really him getting at him, or maybe is it because, like, he's just authority figure anyway? Right. Powered by the police. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, that's that's really one of my notes here that kind of fits in with that is that this whole thing seems pretty casual on both sides, right? Like, as we've already discussed, I've never been a part of a murder investigation, but <laughs> uh, but I mean, it seems like if yes, there were two dead ladies in my small town um, in Iowa, that there would be more of a hubbub when someone's like, "I saw that girl there." Like odds that you would take Charlie with you if you were investigating this. I'm gonna say low. Yeah. You know, odds that you would be like. If if the the guy that you suspect might have killed her has said, "Oh yeah, I've got trash outside that'll totally exonerate me. Let's go take a look at it." Like this all seems a little too casual, you know. Like Lennox believes Charlie too much. Lennox believes Billy too much, and like they really get to the bottom of nothing here, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it does start a war over these this minute and the next. Uh, who is going to win over Lieutenant Lennox? Uh, is it going to be Charlie or is it going to be Billy? And they're both, you know, they're playing chess against each other. Charlie, not the very experienced player, but Billy, ready to do whatever to protect his master. And and how often as an adult have you ever like screamed out, "He's lying!" You know, in, in any situation, it's just not yeah. not how we do things. So yeah. So Charlie does rummage through one crate and he pulls some hay back and we see Amy and he recognizes Amy. Amy? Yeah. So hmm. and he he again sort of ignores her though like right like he, through through this whole first part of the movie he uh, ignores Amy anytime something comes up with this this vampire theory of his right? Um, and he does it again here. He's like I mean it's pretty clear that it's that's her. It's got the bow in the hair very clear that, that it's her it, and he's like huh that that's that's weird let me talk about this other thing <laughs> right. you know, like it doesn't have any questions about it like where'd you get this painting of my girlfriend you know <laughs> so i don't know 
Yeah, it, does it ever come up again with Charlie? At least I know it just comes up again in, later in the movie, but with Charlie, he doesn't. I don't think he ever mentions like he's she. He's got a painting of you. <laughs> well, he's, yeah, he's he's not really thinking about her. He's laser focused on the whole vampire thing, like you said. Yeah. Where in the previous minute we saw Amy is laser focused on their relationship, so they're not really paying attention. <laughs> they're going they're going their own way. They're not really paying attention to each other. So Billy says that Charlie is obviously crazy, and he tells Lennox he can show him the trash he took out. And Lennox uh, starts to follow him before Charlie stops him. But I just wanted to stop here. Like, could Billy have set up like a bunch of garbage bags in the back, like filled with different packing supplies in the shape of bodies, just to kind of be like, see, this is probably what he saw. <laughs> I yeah. usually pack things up real tight back here. It looks kind of like bodies, but they're leaf bags, you know? <laughs> uh, someone who's moved in the past couple of years, I'll tell you, there is a lot of junk that you got to throw away when you get to that new house so it, yeah. it's entirely plausible that he just has an yeah. excess of trash laying around so right but then charlie stops him and says uh the bag he saw had a body in it and not trash and that then brings lennox back to his side and he's interested and we see billy behind him just like sighing and it's like this damn kid yeah yeah um, it's it, there's there's no there's no way to convince charlie he's wrong at this point like he's he's still he knows what he's seen and he's, he's going to, he's going to blurt it out. So, yeah. And yeah, I love how his, his face kind of like goes solemn and his eyebrows kind of raise when he's like, you uh, actually see the body, Charlie. And uh, Charlie can't honestly say uh, it. So it's, again, it's like a war. He, now this puts him back on his heels and, uh, and Billy just playing this, this patronizing, innocent, you know, I'm just, I deal with this kid, but you know, I feel bad for him. I'm gonna be kind about it. You know, that's that's a character he's definitely playing. It's not how he really feels, but oh, yeah, and that's what he's showing for, for Lennox. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's a character straight for Lennox, right? Like it's it, it's clear that he's going to bully the shit out of Charlie, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's I mean, you'll see that all through the whole next minute. But it's um, you know, Billy's Billy's really doing whatever he. Uh, I don't know, whatever he is, ghoul, daywalker, whatever, um, should should do for their master. Like, he's he's playing the role to convince everyone that uh, that they're crazy, or that Charlie's crazy, right? So, there's no, no such thing as vampires, you guys, come on. So. <laughs> so he offers to show Lennox the trash again, and then Charlie says, I can prove that he's lying, and he says, let's look, and the minute ends there. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, maybe he can prove it. We just uh, need to know where to look, you guys. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So anything else you guys got for this minute? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there's a, there's a lot going on in this minute, but uh, it's all sort of focused in in moving things in in one particular direction. So it's uh, just like Charlie ignoring the portrait of Amy. We we've got to we've got to move on to our next minute to to uh, to really get further and deeper into the to the story. So. David, uh, thank you for being here. And if you want to let our listeners know where they can listen to you. Yeah, so uh, you can find me at rockandrollhighschoolminute.com. We've got a, a Facebook listeners group, too, called Hey Pizza. So um, <laughs> so you can find all of our stuff there. I've talked about Hey Pizza a few times in a few places publicly, so I should probably like actually open it up as a real group so you could join it if you want to because I know there's people beating down the doors. And the, the funny thing is, is that that group, or that yeah, that Facebook group is named for a line in the movie, but it doesn't come until like three quarters of the way through the movie. So I'm not even sure that if people have seen the movie that they're going to get the joke. So just just go look for Hey Pizza. If if you don't find our podcast uh, listeners group, you probably find some 
something where people really enjoy pizza and you'll probably be happy there too because pizza's great so <laughs> yeah it really is <laughs> all right i think it's time to put a stake in this one uh please follow us on twitter at fright night men send your feedback to fright night minute at gmail.com and please rate review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast leave five stars and say i like pizza too and uh until next time i'm robin i'm len i'm dave thanks for listening have a fright night everyone He's a vampire. A what? (laughs) You're so...